Hey guys, it's Charles. Are you a lazy millennial like me who doesn't have the time, energy, or work ethic to actually read a book? If so, you're in luck. Head over to audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge to get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Reading is for chumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to episode 43 of the Set in the Edge podcast. I'm Justin Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-O-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4Verts. And we're here with Master Tesfazian of the Washington <laughs> Post. Say what's up to the people, Master? Hey, what's going on, man? Did, did you get your last I nailed, name right? I nailed it, right? Hey, man, it was close enough. We'll let it slide. <laughs> If it was terrible, I would have called you out, but you did it better. Actually, you did it better than Blamonic Jones, so you, sh- you should give yourself a little bit more credit than you, you that's thought. That's fair enough. That, oh, yeah, that's actually why you're on this pod. I listened, I listened to Bomani calling you a quintessential millennial, and I was texting Chuck, and I was like, you know what? We got to pull the trigger and just get mastered. Uh, oh, is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, he said you were a quintessential millennial talking about uh, – he was talking about Stuart Cravens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wait, why did he call me a quintessential millennial, though? I have no idea. He was, he was talking about how uh, you were – you were talking about how, like, Sua Cravens and, like, people of this generation just kind of, like, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the paycheck isn't going to matter as much as, like, the what what you want on the inside type situation. Yeah. I got to go check that out then. Uh, it was a couple days ago. I can't remember when it was. I think it was, like, fucking Friday or Thursday. Yeah, I, I'll go back and check it, man. Because somebody else had mentioned it, but I really don't ever go into and see it. Like, if I'm... Every now and then, I mean, obviously, Bumani's the homie, so, you know, shout out to him because he's doing his thing. But I just, I don't ever really have time to, like, sit down and listen to him anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's not nothing against him. It's just I'm always busy now. So yeah. every now and then, I'll get, I'll get like, oh, somebody said this to you about you or something. Somebody said this about you. And it's like, you know, I really don't have time to just kind of sit down and bog down and listen to it. But if it involves that craving stuff, I'm actually interested and curious to see what he has to say. Because we, we've talked a little bit off to the side about the situation and um, just about how idealistic millennials can be. And how idealism doesn't necessarily go with the way that uh, are the social construct in which the workforce operates in. Like idealism just goes to the side for dollars and cents and work politics. So it, it no matter how high your morals are in the workforce, for some reason, the way it's been constructed, it, that's just it's it makes it very difficult. It's like a swimming upstream to try and remain idealistic in the workforce. Um, so that was kind of my point. I was trying to make them. Yeah, that kind of jumps us off to a good point where we can talk about Sua Cravens because we're just going to answer reader questions today. It's Friday, so we're just going to keep it laid back. Uh, but the first, first question is uh, from Harry at Harry CFC underscore. What does Sua Cravens situation mean for the future and safety of young football players? That's a good question. Master works. Oh, for the, that's a good question, man. Wait, uh-huh. I, I don't think we introduced you properly. Master works for the Washington Post. He covers the Redskins, so he has good insight on on this particular topic yeah um i I don't know man that's an interesting question man because we still don't know to the extent of what exactly you know cravens is going through you know i'm saying i mean we've seen the speculations of the things that he's gone through in the last year um obviously with people within the organization talking about some personal issues he had to deal with the homesickness he dealt with um his own safety obviously as he was going through his third injury that he suffered uh, I mean, right before his second season, he he just had he was recovering from arthroscopic knee surgery, 
Um, and so, and, and also, I mean, this was a guy also that this team really didn't know what to do with him. Like, they didn't really have a, a coaching staff in place this first year to actually understand how to use such a versatile dude that, although it's it's still a new position in trying to be that money backer, versatile linebacker slash hybrid dude, there's been other examples throughout the league that this is possible. And it, it really challenges the coaching staff to think beyond and outside the box from what they're traditionally used to doing. And to be honest, man, that's that's, that's something that a lot of coaches just can't do right now, man. They, they just don't have the capacity to do it. Uh, and, and Because like just like with any job, man, you, you're so used to doing something over and over and over again that you, you rarely have time to think outside the box in that kind of realm. And I think you started seeing that last year when they put him at inside linebacker and realized the dude is too small to play that position. He's going to get beat up and can't shed, can't shed offensive linemen against the run when you're playing that close to the box. So they were going to move him at strong safety and felt like that was a more natural move for him. But uh, I don't know. There, there could be a situation where that kind of soured on him. You know what I'm saying? Where you're so used to doing a certain thing at USC and excelling and realizing that progression isn't necessarily on a linear track. It, 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 there's ebbs and flows to it. And, and for some people who are of my age, whether they're millennials or Gen Z, they have a hard time grasping that when they get to the real world. And so I, I, I think maybe that had uh, a factor to play in it as well. But in terms of the future, man, basically the NFL is going to be a, a league that the athletes who play are going to be the ones that come from the most dire situations and feel like the way society is, is structured, that this is their only way out. And that's going to mainly target a bunch of young black men at the end of the day. Like if you're rich enough and you're wealthy enough to have the privileges privileges to make a living doing something else, you're going to do that. But to some people, they, they feel within their society and the way that they've been raised or the, the neighborhood has been has been way, uh, has been taught to think that the NFL is like one of the few ways out and trying to make a living. Those neighborhoods are still going to be dependent on the NFL. And as long as those guys are out there and they're getting bigger, faster and stronger and are very athletic, the NFL is going to have people who are going to play the game. It's just how much of that quality diminishes from those people that actually choose to go a different route, whether it's soccer, whether it's basketball whether it's baseball or even just not playing sports period and realizing they want to do something else it's a it's a very interesting time right now in the nfl man it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to like keep an eye on and see the case study that goes into these next 10 years of how whether the nfl is able to maintain its power as a top sport in, in the country or if it ends up eventually falling way to either basketball or baseball or some other sport like soccer now yeah i, th- I think it's really interesting too because like the way that football is embedded in this country, like a lot of like college cultures, cu- culture is based around like college football and things like that too. You know what I mean? Like yeah, go, go big school, all sorts of things like that. And when you look at where these players are coming from relative to the people who are going to games or watching it from their home, like if they stop letting their kids play football, I don't think that necessarily affects who, who is and who isn't going at the professional level. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. And shit, you got, you got religions. Like, you got a whole, like, Christianity in the South, in the deep South is, you know, obviously I grew up in, in Dallas, Texas. It's like faith and football. That's what it's all about. And you still have these people, even in the NFL, who still believe that. Faith, football, and family. Like, those are the three structures and three pillars of their lives. And surely they'll probably pass that down to their kids. And it's like, it, it takes generations to kind of wipe those people's mentalities away from those pillars. And, and it, it's just it's just fascinating to see how how just how the NFL has been constructed. And it's like almost the epitome of capitalism and the way that 
where humanity goes to the wayside and it's really just all about dollars and cents and trying to you know figure out how to get people to do cheap labor um as efficient and effective as possible now sewer cravens he hasn't officially retired yet has he no no he's been put on with the uh exemplus they're gonna give him four weeks and then they're gonna come back and revisit this and i I think the redskins are really handling this really well um in terms of just being able to give him the patience to figure things out because at the end of the day sue is 22 years old bro you know what i'm saying um and i think i think jay gruden gets that and i I think the the organization is behind the scenes invested a lot into trying to help him with these situations that have popped up over the last year but Sometimes it's just too much, man. Yeah, I feel you. And if, if it's if your heart's not in it, that's a huge, huge sacrifice to make. Even even with the amount of dollars that he would be making, even on a rookie contract, is more than your average person makes. But if you're not in he, it, it, it's a lot to sacrifice and a lot to give up from what you love to do. But also, I mean, think of it this way, man. He's he's what he was supposed to make a million dollars this year. Knock off half of that because of taxes. So he's at five hundred k. And there's probably other athlete taxes that we're not even factoring in. They do a lot of like a lot of they do a lot of work as a, like he was going to be a starting strong safety. And imagine doing all the work that he's going to be doing for like 500k. Not to say that it's not worth it or anything like that, but it's just like when you think when you think about it and think about how they have to train their bodies day in and day out for 16 games and all all they get is 500k in return essentially after taxes. It's pretty crazy to think, man, considering how much money is being made off of them. Yeah. I've... So, so in the NFL, if this ends up like being a problem, what what would what would you like if you were constructing the NFL, right? What would your response to that be? Would it be like short short rookie contracts, like two year deals, one year deals? So if like if a guy is working on something where he's being clearly being paid below what players of veteran players of his of his talent level are, um, he can cash in at least at that that light at the end of the tunnels sooner. Yeah, uh, honestly, I would probably start from the draft, to be honest. I hate the draft. I think the draft is really stupid. Um, I agree with you. I, I honestly, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm down for an open market. Open yeah, market. yeah. I, I, honestly, I, would, I would do that, man. And, and, like, I think what baseball does with the international players and their pool that they have, I think they're onto something there. You know what I'm saying? And, and obviously, now that they have it capped, it's not necessarily like a wild, wild west like it used to be where there's all these bidding wars and stuff for you, Darvish, and Jonas uh, uh, Cespedes, I should say. Uh, but I, I think it, it – personally for me, I think it would be cool to just see like a rookie free agency and the worst team in the league has the most money to spend, whatever that is, capped off at. And so that way there's a luxury for an athlete to try and sign with the worst team because he's going to make the most money. But if he wants to go play in L.A., he – Depending on how good the, uh, the 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 Chargers or the Rams are, you know what I'm saying? It, it could it could it could hurt them financially. And a lot of these cats who are coming out in college, bro. They're obviously they love the game or or per se, broadly speaking. But a lot of these do. I mean, a lot of under uh, underclassmen are coming out because they try to get paid, man. And I, I think you would have more guys who would be probably a little bit more willing to sign with the Cleveland or somebody else because. They know they're gonna get more money for it than just going up there right now as it is. That, that's just my own personal feeling about it. It's just that I, I, don't, I don't necessarily have the idea all dr- drawn out, but it'd be something along those lines where it's like the, the worst teams get the most money to spend and, and the best teams don't, and you fluctuate it from there and and just let the players and, and the teams figure it out, man, and just have like a, a you know 
start it up after free agency happens and and go from there like from you know i guess what the draft is like the last week of april and first week of may i mean you've got that time right there from from like the, the third week of april and the fourth the last week of april whatever it is to just do a, a, a rookie free agency from there and I, I think that'd be more beneficial for all sides i would think but again i would have to do more research on it and map it out but that's that's just my own thinking yeah, the the tampering stories that would come from that would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah, but you'd be surprised, man. There's a bunch of tampering stuff that happens that oh, nobody yeah. even. Knows. It's that's just the game. That's, just, that's what people. It's, it sounds like I've never been to the combine. I don't know if you have. I think you have. Um, but like, it just sounds like the combine like literally exists to for tampering. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to necessarily say. I wouldn't necessarily say it just exists for that, but... Um, well, I mean, the reason why, like, all these agents and stuff like that are there, because it sounds like these agents are talking, like, they they go into rooms, they have meetings with all these teams, but they're not supposed to talk about certain... Like, it's like, okay, but th- this guy can't be talked about. It's like, of course, you're, if, if an agent has, like, two of your guys that you're trying to re-sign and, are, like, a big free agent, like, I'm probably gauging the interest of that big free agent. Yeah, logically speaking, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, to think otherwise, you'd be pretty naive and foolish. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> it's going to happen. But I don't necessarily say that that's the main reason why they're there. I mean, obviously, those those agents as well have clients and, and players that are going through the combine process that you're, they're trying to get a gauge for and trying to see how they perform because the way that the draft process is set up is that the combine is probably the most important part of it. And so they need good performances there, but yeah, that, that, that stuff does happen behind the scenes. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, the combine is very interesting in, in that factor where it's just, everyone's, everyone's got something to do, man. It's, it's just as much of a business as it is, um, you know, the, 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 the 16 games or the 17 weeks that go on in the regular season. It's just, it's just another part of the business, man. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, Staying on the topic of the Redskins from our pal Dino at, or is it Dino? I don't know. At Call for a Medic, will the R's ever actually change their name, or is that a lost cause? Uh, I mean, I, after that Supreme Court ruling that allowed for um, even uh, trademarks that, that the that the federal government would feel would be disparaging, that trying to block a trademark for that is unconstitutional. I think it's it's extremely difficult for anyone to believe that they would change the name. There's just too much money behind the name. Uh, I mean, I don't know off the top, like the Forbes list of what this team is valued at. Um, I can look it up real quick. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure what the Redskins, I think, are like top five in terms of their valuations. Yeah, that, um, that one makes sense. I feel like all those so, NFC East teams are up there. Yeah, man. They're just Because look at the markets, bro. Philadelphia, New York, D.C., and Dallas. I mean, there's there's a lot of interest in those teams. Uh, I mean, obviously, Cowboys being considered as America's team and the history that they have. Um, but there's just a lot of tradition and history behind the NFC East teams that have given them a lot of value as a result. And once you say they change the name, the valuation to that, too, could drop. You see what I'm saying? Because all of a sudden you have a brand that everyone has a- affiliated with as an NFL team. And once you change it up, there's a lot of there's some ramifications that you can account for and some things that you just can't really account for that happen as a result for it. So that's why I feel like it's 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 hard for me to believe because it comes down to a dollars and cents thing. And this team is very dollars and cents <laughs> when it comes to their principles and what they're about. They're all about 
the bottom line. Um, looking up Forbes right now, they said they got the Redskins valued at $1.6 billion, which is third in the NFL. Um, not sure how recent this is, but uh, <laughs> we, we don't mean, need facts on here. Facts are overrated. Oh, my bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then we'll just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just roll with it. Then the, I, I saw it on the internet, so it, it must be true. That's how Twitter works. Hey, man, facts. Yeah, so uh, the, the only thing that I have on the Redskins name thing is it seems to be like when, when people have this conversation, it seems like uh, the, the breaking point ends up being whatever the new Washington Stadium is going to end up being, right? Because it's like, because then you can use, use, uh, to, to get public approval for that in in Maryland, D.C., or Virginia, it seems like it's pretty – like it's, it seems like uh, – there, there have been reports out that it was hard um, to, to figure out how they would get public funding for a new stadium because it sounds like Dan Snyder has come out and talked about wanting a different stadium. And uh, it, it just seems like it would be hard to get that the public around when that name is that name. Um, but, do you think that's going to be an issue at all? No, nah, bro. This fan base is. I mean, everyone's so everyone's so normalized name that it's it's. There are people who are against it, but they still follow the team and support the team and wear the jerseys and stuff like that. It, mm-hmm. The name has been so normalized that the only place that I could see that that would be an issue with, and it has been before, is is actually in D.C. But outside of that, I mean, the stadium's currently in Maryland and FedEx Field. Mm-hmm. Their practice facilities in Ashburn, which is in Virginia. Um, if I had to bet on anything, it sounds more and more like Virginia's trying to make the hardest bid, or at least publicly they have, and trying to get this new Redskins sta- stadium, which probably won't be built for like another decade, to be honest, because they still got a, their lease, I think, it ends with uh, with FedEx Field to like 2025 or something like that, or 2026 or something. So they still got a lot of time before they figure that out. But at the end of the day, bro, all, all these owners are all about dollars and cents, and they're trying to do what's best for their bottom line. And Looking up actually their valuation uh, based off from 2016, it's 2.95 million uh, is what the team value apparently is, which is like the fifth in terms of team evaluation valuations according to Forbes. Um, so whatever that number is, uh, even if this one is accurate or not, at the end of the day, that's a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? So um, that at the end of the day, that's. That's what they're all about, man. It's just not only just the valuation of what their franchise is now, but how can they grow from there? And changing the name would, wouldn't necessarily do that. Um, as we saw with, I don't know, as NBA teams are, are growing in value, but there's still something about calling the Wizards, they're calling the Washington basketball team the Wizards and not calling them the Bullets that hurts their 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 brand in a way, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, people here, there's still some people here that call them the Bullets. You know what I'm saying? And to be honest, Bullets sounds so much better than Wizards. It does. I don't get why Bullets was was banned. I don't know, it's just a word. Yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think it had to do with, like, the, the, the crime rate that was going on in D.C. and just having a team called the Bullets, how, you know, insensitive it was to, to do that. Uh, I, I think that, that was the belief that it was. I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, but that, that's kind of what I've been hearing. Uh, that's I, I feel like the Utah Jazz being named the Utah Jazz is like more offensive than the Washington Bullets, though. Yeah, yeah, bro. Utah ain't got no rhythm. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Utah ain't got no rhythm whatsoever, bro. All they got is Mormons over there. Yeah, bro. 
Shout out to uh, shout out to our homie Chandler Miller. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh- sh- shout out to him. Um, they got it's it's beautiful though. I actually I've never actually been to Utah, but I I had like a layover one time at their airport, and just looking outside the window and just seeing all the mountains and the snow on top of it, it was like damn, Utah looks kind of beautiful. I don't that, ever. That's want- until you get out though. Salt Lake yeah, smells exactly, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It smells bad. Yeah. Exactly. It's like a looking glass thing, you know what I'm saying, where you can look outside and you're just like, oh, man, that looks really cool. Th- those gorillas, wow, they look really cool, and you just don't want to jump inside it, man, because you just don't know what's behind the other side of that glass. Nothing good. All right, let's move on to the next question from a tired black man at Francis A. Dula Jr. Should Washington have tried a mini fire sale via trades a year ago, and is that option still possible? I think they should have, yeah. um, particularly with Cousins. Um, I was I was very surprised and, and still pretty surprised that they decided to slap the exclusive franchise tag on them um, during the deadline in the spring. I would have thought if there's any year that you can at least get some sort of value out of him, it would have been this year because next year the the, the tag is going to jump again. Uh, I think what the, the, the non-exclusive franchise tag would have cost $34 million. Yeah, something like that. Transition tag would be, what, $26 million or something like that, I believe it is, somewhere in the high 20s. And then all of a sudden you just start questioning. You're just like, man, this uh, all this money that you start throwing away for what three years that you could have just signed him for a, a long term deal with that much probably guaranteed and had him for like probably another two more years. But now, I, I, specifically with Cousins, I was surprised by that man. It's, and at the end of the day, you had to kind of look at it from the other side too. It's just that the 49ers weren't really trying to give up too much because why should they? They know that. At the end of the day, at some point, Cousins is going to hit free agency, and they have all this cash strapped up, bro. Like, it, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where they're hiding all this cash, bro. But they've got a lot of cap space that they are just ready to dump on somebody, and it makes the most sense to try and do it on Cousins because obviously the connection that he has there with him and Kyle Shanahan is the head coach there now, and how much he would fit that scheme and that system, and he already has a wide receiver out there that he's very familiar with and Pierre Garcon that he trusts. So the fit there makes the most sense. Obviously, you got Sean McVay as well in L.A., but they just spent the uh, number one overall pick on Jared Goff and, and spent the high price on him. So they're still trying to figure out what they have in him. But you've got two suitors. Um, and worst-case scenario, you place the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, San Francisco signs him away, and you get two first-round draft picks. I thought that would have been the most logical way to go about it, but – they wanted to show their loyalty to Cousins and show him that how much they want him to be here. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, Cousins, I, I feel like Cousins just wants to know his value in free agency and what that would be like. And what he's doing right now, I don't think people really understand the ramifications that it has down the road because it's it could possibly change, like, the landscape of free agency, if oh. that makes sense. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I, I, I don't think Kirk Cousins, he has no incentive to take a deal that, doesn't pay him like thirty million dollars a year, be- yeah. like around that mark, because the franchise tag was going to be that much anyway. So, I mean, if he's been tagged two years in a row, that can almost kind of be his starting point for his contract negotiations. Yeah, man, and that's that's exactly what it's been. The tag has been the basis of their contract discussions, and I was kind of surprised that Stafford didn't go that kind of route either, because it clearly seems like Cousins trying to set the blueprint now of how you use your leverage as an athlete when you do have it, and. Stafford definitely had the leverage there over the Lions, and yeah, he became the highest paid player ever. But you know, there's so, there's oh so much that he he could have gotten so much more and done so much more for the athletes and the players. But 
again, people are so used to doing what everyone else is doing that it's a lot harder to try and go against the grain than it is to just go ahead and do it. Yep. Yeah, see, the interesting thing to me is, like, it's it's both Kirk Cousins and Drew Brees because Drew Brees is about to be a free agent and the Saints are basically oh, yeah, cap yeah, yeah. And, yeah. like, he has all the leverage down, down in uh, New Orleans and, like, that roster, once Drew Brees is gone, is going to look very similar to what Reggie McKenzie walked into in Oakland um, before he had to clean out all that. So I don't know if, like, Drew Brees just wants to take the hometown deal and just be like, whatever, I know I'm going to get my burn here. Um, I'm going to get all of Peyton Manning's, like, volume passing stats, you know, it down in the record books, and I'll, I'll just bite the bullet and we'll just go 7-9 forever. Or if he's just full on, like, someone give me money and I'm going to swing a Super Bowl. Because like I feel, I feel like if Drew Brees hit free agency, I don't know how much money John Elway, like big free agency spender John Elway, would go in on him. Like that, that easily could be like if the, if Drew Brees ended up getting like sixty five for two years, like fully guaranteed, I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's Ooh, crazy, dog. Yeah, that'd be wild, bro. I'm here for and you know because he's about to be a free, he's about to, like Drew Brees is a legitimate Hall of Fame quarterback who's about to be a free agent like in his prime as long as the wheels don't fall off this year. That doesn't happen and like this all happened because the New Orleans Saints were supposed to pay him like a thirty million dollar cap hit. They restructured in a way where they moved it to dead cap at the end of the contract, and now like it's it's time to pay up. It's time to pay up. He's about to be a free agent. and They're in cap hell, and they've gone seven and nine the past three years in a row. So I, I don't know what the hell is going on there, and then. There's all these rumors about Sean Payton and like just sort of like levels of dysfunction that we're not necessarily see- seeing on the field or in public. But I don't know that that whole situation, like the Drew Brees story, I think is the most underreported story in the sport right now. I, I've I've heard that Sean Payton is like a control freak, um, so I, I'm I'm not sure if that that has to do anything with his the dysfunction or anything like that. But already he's very hands on, so it, that, that that is interesting to know. Um, of the dysfunction, but while we're here, I might as well apologize to Drew Brees too because I thought he was going to fall off last year, and he definitely proved me wrong. So shout out to Drew Brees. Oh, that, I did that two years ago. So yeah, yeah. man, that's the hardest part, bro. It's like trying to tr- like project if someone's falling off or not. And yeah, yeah, Justice used the Pro Bowl though. He said if you watch the Pro Bowl, if you rewatch the Pro Bowl, Drew Brees looks like <laughs> the worst player on the field. <laughs> uh, I want I want to put it on record. Charles McDonald called. Uh, Le'Veon Bell super average no, in that nope. group chat. Okay. Wow. No. Oh, wow. I have a screen cap. Uh, bro, he's about to spit like a whole diss track at you, bro. <laughs> no. Shirtless. He's going to drop a what shirtless you 16 what on you, you bro. Four verts, bro. You ready for that? I don't have to be concerned about anything because Justice is lying wow. right here. He's the one that said uh, Le'Veon Bell was super average in that Ty Montgomery was better than Le'Veon Bell. Wow. Damn, bro, you you gonna take that, bro? I have facts. He's saying you lying, bro. On the mic, he's saying on the record. (laughs) On the mic, I got receipts. He's got got receipts. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta hold up that like F F I F F I F (laughs) fifth. Actually, I'm 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 curious while we're talking about time on Gurman. I'm curious how to see how he does this year, man, because. He's horrible in pass protection, but he's great when he has the ball in his hands. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's all you really need. I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to diminish pass protection because I think a lot of people diminish that. And there's, well, like it, it, it ends up being like how often you get on the field. Because like I know when uh, if you watch Legarrette Blunt, I had to do this project for Bleacher Report two last summer, 
And uh, basically, I ended up grading, like, the top 28 players who are 28 years or older at, like, every major position. So I was watching guys, and, like, I was watching, like, LeGarrette Blunt. And when I was watching LeGarrette Blunt, I was like, oh, my God. Like, he literally is only on the field for play action and run game. Like, LeGarrette Blunt is literally never in the game for pass protection, screens, anything like that. Like, it's literally play action and run game. And then I watched how they used Ty Montgomery last year, and every time he was in pass protection, he was getting his ass kicked. So um, I, I think there are, certainly are there, – there's, like, there's like big backs, right, where it's, like, pass protection, play action, and just, like, run the ball down the middle. And then there are small backs where, like, you want to do, like, the Christian Caffrey stuff where you're running little Texas routes and screens and things like yeah. that. Uh, draw plays and things. The thing is, like, Ty Montgomery, when he has the ball in his hand, is like that small back, but he has the body of a big back. Yeah. But he also does, but he doesn't have the skill set of a big back. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have the the pass protect. I guess it's he's he's very similar to Legarrette Blunt in that way. Other than like, I think Ty Montgomery's more of a a, a, a home run hitter, and Legarrette Blunt was more of just like I'm just gonna stab this for four yards. Yeah. I mean, Adrian Peterson was also that same way, where mm-hmm. pass pro was never his thing. And it just never made sense because he was like a freakish athlete and probably one of the most freakish athletes that we've seen in our generation on the field. But he he just was never really good at pass pro, man. I don't know what it was. Uh, and and But then you look at a guy like here in Washington with like Chris Thompson, who's like smaller than Adrian Peterson. But he, he's just excellent in, in pass pro, and he's made a, a living out of it, where literally where – his contract extension was based off how well he plays on third downs. Um, so that position is always interesting. And the, the thing is always it just depends on who else you have there to compliment him. But I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see how Ty Montgomery does this year. That, that I don't know why. He's one of the guys I'm kind of targeting to see, like, you know, what, how, does he, how does he evolve from here? You know what I'm saying? I, I also love that he's, just, he's wearing number 88 at running back. I think that's tough as hell. <laughs> Exactly, man. That's fine. He don't care. He breaking all the rules, man. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> enough of Justice's ridiculous takes, manic takes. Let's move uh, on to uh, <laughs> next question. Uh, it's talking about Rob Kelly from Bad Guy Rai Rai at like underscore who underscore is underscore he. Is the name R Kelly officially canceled? The nickname R Kelly. <laughs> uh, I think it has to be. Uh. You know what I'm saying? We ain't really rocking with R. Kelly these days. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe Rob Kelly could just be the new R. Kelly. I mean, anyone thought of that? Maybe he changes the way that we view R. Kelly. Not not the fake one, but the way that we associate the name R. Kelly to. What about if it's like that? Can we do that? Ooh, he, I mean, he'd probably have to be like one, have, to have one of the best seasons ever, probably, to do that. Yeah. I don't know. Trapped in the closet by Fat Rob? <laughs> i don't know man I, I i definitely stopped the r kelly puns uh i was doing that a bunch last year but yeah that, that stuff kind of got whack and then it got really whack uh you know a few months ago once you start realizing like damn i'm actually supporting this dude's sick twisted uh obsession with underage girls that's not cool yeah i better stop so yeah, yeah, that's not his nickname no more. That's that's a very uh, that's a very millennial question, and I appreciate that. It is. I I found myself like I was listening to a, a playlist I had last week, and "Step in the Name of Love" came on shuffle. And at first, I was I was grooving with it. I was like, "Oh damn, I forgot R. Kelly's a monster. I can't, I can't listen to this song anymore." 
Oh, you know how hard it's been, bro? Like, I mean, it's not hard anymore, but, like, initially where I was just like, dang, bro. Because there were so many, like, Chopped and Screwed R. Kelly songs that I really liked. And just having to let those go, it, it was really tough. But now it's like, you know, it's so normal now not listening to R. Kelly and not even, like, thinking about him that it, it was a good lesson. Because then you start learning, like, you can let go of things that you're emotionally attached to, even if, you know what I'm saying, you feel like in the moment, like it's very difficult. But once you're able to disassociate yourself with it because of the reasons behind it, you know what I'm saying? It's not like you're just doing it just to do it. You're like, there's an actual legitimate reason why you should not associate with R. Kelly. Then, and, you know, then there's reasons to justify whatever emotional attachment you have to it. At the end of the day, you end up realizing that whatever that emotional attachment is, it pales in the comparison to the reality of the situation. Yeah, it, it, it's it's awful. It's weird. It's awkward. Because, I mean, he just, just got so many hits, but <laughs> just got to be more self-aware, I guess. I know, bro. So okay, many. So how, how far does this go? Like, Ignition Remix comes on, and what's uh, we, your reaction? No, it, it's, it, it's, it's done, bro. We ain't listening to it. No, so, like, literally, not, I'm not even letting him say, now, nah, usually I don't do this. It's like, now, nah, Skip. <laughs> you know we, we, we going on the next song. It, actually, it's not even on the playlist, bro. It's not even on Shuffle. It's not even a thought, bro. It's basically just like muted on my Twitter. That's that's how I view R. Kelly tracks now. It's just muted. Yeah. I don't even like I don't even people don't be going out playing R. Kelly like that. Yeah, and even like back in the day on that uh Aaliyah album, AJ nothing but a number, R. Kelly's Bro, in the back the, like, the like cover, yeah, out of the cover. <laughs> Yo. No. <sighs> Dog. Yeah, the, the signs were there. The signs were there, bro. That's crazy, ain't it? Like it, it was literally like right in front of our face. And even the songs he was talking about. Yeah. Man. That's, that's Age weird. ain't nothing but a number. Bro, that was crazy. <laughs> that's why like, I had to start. Like, Don't you always find it, find it weird that like, every time somebody does something bad, everyone's always like around him like, oh, he was a good dude, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, We would have never guessed him to do this. Yeah. Like, you, you only get to see like a certain side of people. And the only side that they want to show you. And that that's so interesting, like when you go around talking to people now and just kind of realizing like they're only showing you and compartmentalizing you as like the colleague or the homie that you go out and kick it with or I don't know, the mentor, the mentee or all these other labels that you end up putting on people with disassociating, like compartmentalizing a certain perspective or a certain side of their personality when there could be some other stuff that they be doing on that you don't even know or realize or don't even see that is like very detrimental to society and hurting other people and it's crazy man that's why i don't, I don't know if i necessarily say i'm very hesitant when i say someone's a good person yeah just you just never know i just yeah, i just man. feel like a lot of people are just like flat out lying too sometimes though like i see a lot of stuff where like like in my neighborhood and stuff where they'd be like yo free so-and-so and i'd be like man there's a lot of people who've gone trouble for a lot of messed up stuff that they probably shouldn't have gotten in trouble for or they were just in a bad situation wrong place wrong time but like you you guys are lying when like so and so you guys are you guys are saying so and so was a good person you guys are just saying that just to say it you know what i mean like a lot of yeah, people are just bro. like rock who are around rock with who are around them so life sucks man yes it does life sucks. <laughs> uh next question from big big daddy at i've goat <laughs> <laughs> can y'all discuss can y'all discuss the new Seahawks logo funnily or yeah I mean the Seahawks had a new logo for people who haven't seen it 
And I, I honestly think it's kind of tough. I don't, I don't mind it. I think it's tough too, bro. But then once somebody told me if you flip that around backwards, it's like a, a pug with a, a, a pug <laughs> with a mohawk. I can't, I can't get that in my head, bro. Oh no, hold on. I'm, about, I'm actually about to look it up. I can't get that in my head, bro. Somebody yeah. flipped that. Somebody flipped that picture around on Twitter and said it looks like a pug with a mohawk on it, and. Literally, all the toughness that it has in that picture, bro, it just completely just went out oh the window. Oh, my God. I see it. You see it? Yeah. Jesus. Ain't it crazy? I don't know who even, who even like, how do you even think of that, bro? Like, let know. me flip this picture around and let me see what it is. Some of these dudes, these, some of these people on Twitter are just too creative from their own good. I know, man. They should be doing something else, bro. <laughs> they should be using them skills to, like, actually get paid. Instead of nah, just, I'm cool with it. I'm pretty. I'm pretty entertained by Twitter and it's free, so I'm with it. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's hit the last question from our pal Sully at Sully Football. Do you guys agree with the reports that Brady passed the torch to Alex Smith last night? Can't wait to hear the answer on air. Hell no. Is <laughs> <laughs> a Chiefs fan, Homer? Yeah. That's our friend. Uh, and oh. I appreciate Alex Ryan just going off. I was about to say, what they think this is like easy jumping over the jump man moment right now? Dude, yeah. And the funny thing with Sully is he was all in on getting Alex Smith out of there until last night. And now, like, he still he, has a he pick. He said start Mahomes, like, in the first drive. Like, before the offense even got on the field when Kareem Hunt fumbled. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was like, Kareem Hunt fumbled. And he was like, God damn, man, start Mahomes. Put Mahomes in. And hey. he still has Mahomes as his avi, too, which is mad funny. <laughs> hey, listen, though, man. That Chiefs offense, though, that looks like a very fun brand of football. It was okay. last year where there was just small dudes dapping each other up, like Tyreek Hill and DeAnthony Thomas high-fiving yeah. each other. Yeah. But yeah. I'm saying, like, the way that they looked last night and just, like, how more refined it looks, man. Oh, it just it just looked a little – it just, like, there was, like, some wrinkles there that, that I wasn't necessarily expecting. And maybe it's – because I don't watch the Chiefs that much, but I have seen a couple of those games at the end of last year when Tyreek Hill was doing his thing. But just being able to see that last night, bro, man, that 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 looks like a team that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. And I had high expectations for them already, but just after that game, yo, if anything, it just shows how lazy other coaches are from adjusting and adopting to the personnel that they have, and how. For whatever reason, man, Andy Andy Reid just gets it, man. He does. Andy Reid's dope, man. So, like, all right, I have a question. So, Albert Breer wrote a piece, like, oh, two man. days before this game about how the option is dead. And then the Chiefs came out immediately and beat beat uh, the New England Patriots by, I think, it's the largest point differential in a while. I know the Buffalo Bills kept it with – or beat them by 15 last year. And then uh, – they they score more points on the on the Patriots than the Patriots have ever had scored on them since Bill Belichick's been the head coach. Have you ever written an article where you were so wrong? Uh, yeah, man. All Anything the time, close bro. to that where you're watching the game and you feel sick, like you're like, oh god. I mean, I'm sure there is, bro. It's just, I mean, I'm I'm like part of the job is taking an L. You gotta know that you're gonna take L's, and I'm sure there is. I just can't think of it right now. Um, I think. To Breer's point, though, it's it's more so. I didn't read the story, and I get what he's saying it's about bad. it. It's just that these coaches, a lot of them are just groupthink, and it's it's really weird how they try to like disassociate themselves 
from what other teams are doing on different levels. Like, you look at the high school level. All they're doing is this, these spread options. And, and defenses, all they're doing is trying to defend these spread options. And that's why you end up having these guys like Asua Cravens or uh, Deontay Buchan- Deion Buchanan or uh, – you know, Yeah, all, the, all these other people they keep calling as tweeners when they get to the NFL. And the reason why they end up being labeled as tweeners instead of just like athletes or linebackers or safeties or whatever the money backers, whatever the label is, is because a lot of these NFL coaches just don't adjust to it for whatever that reason is. And everyone always been has been told that it doesn't work on this level. Look at Chip Kelly. It doesn't work on this level. Well, Chip Kelly was trying to do way too much in one year uh, when he was in Philly. Basically, he was trying to show that he could be innovative and he can also be Bill Belichick, where everyone is replaceable and, and uh, you know, and it, it's going to be a system about with interchangeable parts. When he should have just focused on actually establishing the system and then from there trying to get interchangeable parts to run the system, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, I, I just felt. I just feel like he was trying. I feel like he was on the right path, but he was just trying to do way too much in a short amount of time, and it just blew up in his face. Yeah, I mean, even last night, like those plays, they were like straight out of what Urban Meyer used to run with, like Tim Tebow and Percy Harvin and stuff like that. But, you know, they were running a uh, a lot of like inverted veer with the shovel passes. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of veer option plays. So I I think it's lazy. They, people they damn they damn run like. It ran like a wishbone for a couple plays. Like, yeah, it was the weirdest. Pitch. That's what I'm saying, bro. That's, <laughs> that's so dope to me because it's like, cool. Like, that's how you're able to get an edge. Being able to think outside the box. Like, that's everyone's always trying to find an extra edge or trying to find a different way to surprise teams. And how are you going to do it when everyone essentially keeps telling you that you need to have the same system set up in terms, not necessarily like, obviously, there's a lot of differences within offenses, but like, Relatively speaking, like everyone is trying to accomplish the same thing. If correct me if I'm wrong, like there, there's not too many teams that you can see that will just go completely outside the box, like what we saw KC do, and being able to use the talent that they have to accomplish the, the uh, such a feat against a team that everyone thought could possibly go 16 and 0 this year. Like yeah, I, don't, I, don't... I feel, I feel like when you watch like from a schematic standpoint, right, like. Basically, every like every team's running inside zone, outside zone. It just depends on how often. And then it's like last year it was probably like the Bills and the 49ers that you would say like, all right, these guys have like legitimately unique running games. Um, I think one of the reasons that Kansas City did that is Chris Alute, the guy, the head coach of Nevada, who like installed the pistol, had Colin Kaepernick playing quarterback. Um, he was actually consulting with the Chiefs for like three years, to, like in Andy Reid's first three years with the Chiefs. So it's not, it, it shouldn't be surprising that. This is the team where, like, the pistol is kind of embraced. But, like, god damn. Like, the pistol – I can go on for this for, like, 20 minutes. I'm not going to. But the pistol is by far, like, the most efficient way to play football, in my opinion. And you see uh, you see how effective it is in college. You would think that somebody would be like, oh, man, let's try and find ways to just at least just have a sub package to it. And not necessarily make it, obviously, the entire system. But just, like, being able to incorporate uh, plays within our scheme that involve the – like – what do you lose from that? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't. I don't get like, it either. And my, I, I think about it like this: like these are the players that are being sent to you by college. That's your talent pool. So why wouldn't you try to exactly adjust and play towards their strengths? I, I don't get why the NFL has to be so stoic when it comes to something so simple as like, how, how long do you think it took them to put in those plays last night? Not, not too long. You got practice at it, but 
like high school teams run those plays, college teams run those plays. So why can't an NFL team run those plays? It, dog, because it's it's the NFL is basically a gentleman's club, bro, and they want to make sure that the people who are in it want to make sure that like I say it's a gentleman's club in a way that like it's a lot harder. Like it's so much easier to, for you to go from a high school coach to college, but just imagine how many coaches go from college to the NFL. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's a reason why there's a really huge gap there. And I believe a lot of it's just intentional because, again, like people want to think and have this expectation that are within the NFL saying, hey, this is the NFL. This is how we do it. There's a standard. There's a way that we go about, you know, the way that we play football. And at some point, that stubbornness is going to, you know, for me, honestly, like college football is so much more enjoyable to watch than the NFL because of the creativity that you see on the field and the different schemes that you see and, uh, you know, how they're able to spread them out and just play. And. I keep waiting for the NFL to, to to follow with that, but they don't. And then they end up having all these tweeners that they, people label as bus because they can't adapt to the NFL when the NFL should be adapting to them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but we're running on here on f- about 45 minutes, so we're going to let you go here in a second. But before we let you go, anything you want to let the people know about that you're working on? Uh, no, nah, just follow me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, that's pretty much it. Follow me on Twitter, Master TES, on Instagram, Master Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it, man. All right, uh, Justice, you have anything you're working on? Ooh, not really. Uh, doing stuff like I said, always. Uh, Bleacher Report, doing stuff for defensive line play, and then uh, doing kind of the same thing, but more matchup related for uh, for football guys every week. That's pretty much it, and then recording with. Charles, who hopefully his mic is working and is also he's also uh, 0 and 1 in spread picks. So yeah, off to a strong start. Uh, yeah, so you, you did a, you tweeted you had like a 10 team parlay and you lost on the first team. It was six teams, okay, six teams. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I, I, let me say this too. Uh, there's probably some things that I said here that were really trash and bad takes, and if they are, deal with it. Yeah, that's it. Deal with it. Or you can tweet at our intern at yeah, Count, Cable, Count Caleb. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so that, that'll conclude episode 43 of Seven the Edge. We'll be back on Monday with a recap of week one. Football is back. Thank you, guys.